And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of The Beat. I'm Brendan Quinn from The Athletic. Uh, Nick is on maternity leave. Congratulations again on the birth of his beautiful daughter, uh, his second child. We is missed, but uh, today I am thrilled to have a great guest, uh, Kevin Palga, Michigan State University Athletics, college basketball scheduling guru, uh, hoop head, uh, occasional radio analyst and TV analyst, right? I'm trying to find air quotes on the occasional. <laughs> uh, metrics master and uh, a number of other things. Uh, one of the more interesting people I've certainly uh, had the pleasure of getting to know in, in college hoops and uh, thrilled to have you because uh, KP, these are very strange times and uh, people trying to have any grasp of what this college basketball season is going to maybe look like, I'd say you're among uh, foremost experts to talk to. So I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, no, it, it, it's good to be with you. I think I think my job description sometimes would be better served as just a blank piece of paper that says other duties as a sign. <laughs> a pretty good job there of, uh, of, of introducing that. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, and a busy man. Uh, you, uh, his 11th Zoom call of the day, folks. So I feel like everyone is Zoom exhausted at this point in our lives. And obviously, uh, pandemic uh, exhaustion is a real thing. But uh, if you need an example of things could be worse, I think having 11 Zoom calls in one day might be it. I, uh, I, I, I was keeping track of my like Zoom stats for lack of the ability to keep any other stats earlier this summer. And, it, and I finally gave up when uh, I think it was 13 or 14 was my was my daily record. And, uh, and my latest start time was about 1 a.m. Eastern on one. So um, so I, I think that I'll just kind of leave those as records and, and, and hope that I don't have to, to come and break those. But uh, but a lot of a lot of other people have it a lot worse. So if the if the worst thing um, is that I'm sitting uh, sitting in my kitchen or in my office uh, on Zoom all day, it, uh, life ain't that bad. There you go. I like it. Um, so just as kind of a, a broad intro to, uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are kind of familiar with with who you are. But you know, in addition to being um, in an assistant athletic director role at Michigan State and very involved in the men's basketball program. Um, and other, you know, obviously duties within the athletic department there. You're also, um, you know, very involved in, in collegiate athletics and scheduling um, and working with the NCAA. Can you kind of just give folks out there a, you know, their, you know, apply for a job here, man. Tell me what, what you actually do for a living. Yeah, so so, so the Michigan State portion of, of things, I'm an associate AD from, at, at Michigan State. Um, associate AD. I'm sorry, I did not give you the proper promotion. I, I no, called you an assistant. Did you say I, I'm not even sure what you what you said. I, <laughs> um, so maybe you got it right. Um, but, uh, associate AD at Michigan State. Um, heavily involved in the basketball program. Heavily involved in logistics and scheduling and operations. And uh, um, I, I joked with the other duties as a sign, but uh, but jumping in on a, a lot of those uh, those type of things. Um, and then doing a lot in the in the world of, of scheduling, which um, in the absence of uh, of actual events, um, we have scheduled, rescheduled, and rescheduled again um, multiple sports, multiple conferences uh, across the country. So, um, in, in with without the ability to actually compete, scheduling is 
is not only a topic of conversation for, for people that are just interested in trying to figure out what a season's going to going mm-hmm. to look like, but also um, just in, in building these schedules, we're trying to we're trying to anticipate everything that we can relative to um, to spaces to reschedule games that, that might get postponed. Um, optimize travel even even more um, even now as we're talking like I like my, my computer in the background has has multiple schedules that are that are running and uh, um, I've got uh, I've got stuff up in up in the cloud that's, uh, that's generating schedules and trying to push those limits because the reality is that the environment that we're currently in um, we're trying to travel as safely as possible right. the, the health and safety of um, hotel stays and facilities and, and uh, airplanes and buses and all those those uh, those things are key. Um, but also, we're trying to do so as cost effectively as possible as well. There's there's been a major major financial hit to the to the overall industry. Um, and so, if 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 I can let a schedule run for another six, eight, ten hours, um, like like literally measuring a schedule in dollars saved. Um, if you can get two more bus trips instead of charter flights um, for a given sport or commercial mm-hmm. flights, like like that's tens of thousands of dollars that uh, that each optimization may may be improving upon. Yeah, and so when, so people out there just know like when when, when KP's talking about like you know building schedules and stuff like this, this is this is beyond Michigan State. He, he his his methods and his work is are used across the country by by college athletic departments and. Um, and he's, you know, as uh, I'd say authoritative as a voice as you can find right now in terms of how these things are being built and what it's going to look like. We're going to stick to college basketball here for, for these purposes, though. Um, so when when people ask you, you know, what is the season going to look like, Kevin? Like, wh- what is your what's your kind of broad, you know, base level answer there? Yeah, so 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 there's a couple of things just kind of overarching for, for those who haven't been paying attention. The start date was uh, was originally set for Tuesday, November 10th. Um, to, in in, the, in in our great scheduling terms, the the start date each season is actually three days prior to the second Friday in November, um, because just saying November 10th would uh, would, would be way um, So so this year that fell on November 10th. Um, the the start date has been pushed back officially to Wednesday, November 25th. So an extra 15 days. Um, and then the corresponding first date of, uh, of actual practice has been pushed back as well. So that, so that's going to take place uh, on October 14th. Um, that, that'll be the first official start date mm-hmm. of, uh, of organized practice. That's the 42 days that, uh, um, that schools get to practice before competition. And they can practice in 30 of the 42. So right. November 25th will be that first date. Um, and then specific to men's basketball, if you're playing in an MTE, which is a multi-team event, um, or or has or as some people keep referring to them as MTVs, like the TV network, but it's <laughs> but it's actually MTE. Um, if you're playing in an MTE, you can play 27 games, um, and if you're not playing in an MTE, you can play in 25. And normally those those numbers are are four more than that. It's normally 31 if you're in an MTE, 29 if you're not. Um, but with the subtraction of 15 days. Um, four games. That's about two weeks worth of games. That's that's kind of where where those numbers come from. Um, so the season will start November 25th. Um, schools are still working to put together their non-conference schedule. Um, conferences are still, um, in many cases, deciding on formats and um, trying to get information from television. There's 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 a lot of moving parts um, that uh, that the adjustment to the start date has something to do with. But if but if I was being frank. Even if everything had stayed the same, we'd still be in a similar boat because so much of this is being influenced by college football playing a couple weeks later than 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 it normally does, and that's and that has a pretty significant effect on on, on television. There's there's state quarantine rules that uh, that that have evolved, so so this is very much a moving target. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can speak uh, on behalf of uh, of a good amount of programs that that when you start to see schedules get released here over the next couple weeks. I would view that schedule as very much as a starting point hmm. um, to a schedule, as opposed to the schedule that's going to actually get played. Um, normally, in a in a given year, out of about six thousand college basketball games, you have about six, eight, ten of them that get postponed because of a snowstorm. Somebody can't get there, or or some wildfires in California two years ago caused a, a good amount of November postponements. Um, that number is going to skyrocket this year. 
Right. And, and I think that collectively we're all trying to anticipate um, what to what, what what is going to happen? How do we reschedule games? How do we how do we move on the fly? If a team can't play because of a COVID positive test, the idea that 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 we may pick up the phone and say, "Hey, today's Thursday. We've got a game on Saturday that just got called off because of COVID. So do you. You're about a four hour bus trip. You want to play? <laughs> um, and 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 it sounds it sounds crazy, right? Um, but uh, but but as I've talked to some video coordinators and assistant coaches in particular, I'm like. Like, hey, like you, you, you probably have to be ready to pivot on some scouting reports on the fly, and mm-hmm. and, and we kind of need to embrace the weirdness of of, of this year because there's going to be a hundred things that you've never seen before, and and frankly, we we may actually find two or three of them that we really like moving forward that we yeah. would have tried had we not been forced to try them as a result of the pandemic. Yeah, I will. I was actually talking to Izzo about that the other day. That I, I do wonder if there are going to be some things taken from this year that actually end up being implemented moving forward. But you mentioned the twenty-five, twenty-seven game caps. Um, can teams play fewer? Yeah. So, so, so the way that the minimum number of games in in a normal year, um, you can play the twenty-nine or thirty-one based on the MT stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a minimum threshold of twenty-five games in a normal year. And what the NCA has done. Um, and I'm not sure that they've done this for all sports, but they have done it for the sports that uh, that they've had to so far. Is that they've uh, they've taken that minimum number of games and cut it in half. So so that minimum this year for D1 men's basketball is 13, hmm. um, and that and that is for um, NCAA tournament purposes. That's um, there there's and, and it's meant to get as much flexibility as possible. Um, all indications are that most programs are going to schedule well north of that. Yeah. That war is more about um, COVID interruptions mm-hmm. and inability to be able to reschedule games as uh, as we go. But um, look, like Major League Baseball had 900 games scheduled, and they got 898 of them in. Now it it took some circuitous routes to get there. Cardinals and Marlins, and I'm pretty sure played double headers like for three weeks straight, <laughs> um, and seven inning games and. I mean, again, like like you give baseball examples. The DH was in the NL. You had seven inning games that were for real. You had the the Cubs and the Cardinals played ten times, all at Wrigley Field, with <laughs> Cubs as the visiting team three times. Like the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, and, and that's going to happen in college basketball too. And it's going to be it, it's going to be chaotic. We have to we have to embrace it. We might as well enjoy it and, mm-hmm. and not get frustrated by it because, frankly, it, it is what it is, and it beats the alternative. So let's get into MTEs here for a second. It seems like initially the ideas of MTEs and bubble type scenarios that would kind of be surround or um, created around these events were. Um, looking stable and things like that. And gradually it seems like they're kind of falling apart a little bit and maybe more and more programs are considering their own events on campus that they are either, you know, that they're responsible for, even if they're being held maybe by an outside group yeah, or conducted by an outside group, but they're on campus and based there. Can, can you kind of speak to that dynamic of this shift towards maybe more programs considering doing that stuff? Um, so, so to answer that point regarding the MTEs, um, in, in, in a typical year, um, there's there's been about 50 to 55 MTEs, and that number was going to go up this year to get way into the weeds. There, there were some technicalities in terms of adjusted rules around MTEs that were going into effect this year, even pre-COVID, hmm. um, where the number of teams per field was going to shrink, and that it, it had a lot to do with like the campus games that you were attaching, like like uh, for for Michigan State last year. Um, you play a game that is Maui on the mainland against Charleston Southern before you go to the Maui Invitational. Mm-hmm. Like this year, um, you would just play 28 games plus a three-game uh, event at Maui, and Charleston Southern wouldn't have counted as part of the Maui event. Again, mm-hmm. technicalities in the weeds, um, but it affects the number of events. Um, this year, a, 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 as of early this summer, there were 24 scheduled bracketed events, and those are four-team or eight-team brackets like a Maui Invitational, um, like a Las Vegas Invitational that Michigan State played in. Um, uh, so, so it's some, diff- some different events. Out of those 24 events, 16 of them were scheduled to start before November 25th. Mm-hmm. And so if two-thirds of those events are scheduled to start before that date, 
it is a heck of a lot more difficult to move an entire tournament where you're trying to coordinate the schedules of four or eight teams um, than it would be to take just, hey, Michigan State's going to play Oakland on X date. Well, you have to coordinate two team schedules there. Right. Maui to move its dates, it's got to coordinate eight teams for different challenge events. Mm -hmm. It's got to coordinate – 10, 12, 14 teams per conference to be able to make those, to, to make those work. Um, so, so a lot of these events that affect a, a greater, uh, a greater number of teams, um, just it, it's been more, it's been more challenging and it's, and, and for a while it's created a, a good amount of gridlock in the, in, in the scheduling world, because this is a process like, like even right now, like we would typically be working on the, the, the foundations of the 2021-22 schedules. <laughs> 2022-23 not that we're worried about every last game but the preseason tournaments big 10 acc challenges for other leagues the sec big 12 challenge the champions classic um the, the those different events where you know that you're playing in them um like those are on the calendar years in advance and then you kind of fill in um some some remaining dates uh, around those this year we're we're working we're, we're working off of an adjusted canvas where we've got a starting point that never really contemplated um, just lopping off 15 days on the, on the beginning of the season. So in, in some ways we would have collectively been better served to just wipe the slate clean and start mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. um, but then you're also dealing with contractual elements, and right. all, these other, all these other things, um, which has really complicated it. So um, I, I understand that there, look, there's, there's a lot of frustration just for, for folks that want to know when such and such team is going to play a first game and, and coaches want to get to get going on starting to pull game film and, and uh, directors of ops are trying to book travel which is affecting the airlines industry and the hotel industry. Like, yeah. like there's a lot that's, that, that's being held up right now, but, but I can, I can assure you that there is a lot of work going on uh, behind the scenes and, 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 and I'm sure that there's been some feelings hurt. Um, I, I don't, think that uh, I don't think that there was any way around that but uh, um, hopefully we're all able to, to kind of reconcile those uh, those games that couldn't happen I know that uh, that many games are getting pushed to future years for all sorts of reasons dates sure. didn't work um, there were beginnings of, of really prominent home and home series that uh, that why would you play them this year with without fans um, th those are all factors into what into what's going on so I, I would just preach patience. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're trying to get it done as fast as we can. What's, what's kind of the level of concern about mid and lows, mid and low majors, um, being able to build schedules that are even going to be able to warrant NCAA tournament consideration? Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll hit that from a metric standpoint because sure. I think metrics are going to look very different as a result mm -hmm. of how schedules, um, are, are built. Um, that's not necessarily all bad, but uh, um, but the, you you've heard the term cross pollination. I've I've started to find that like there's been like five or six buzzwords that I started using in in May or June that that then then everybody starts using like like cross pollination. Like <laughs> if I'd known that anybody that, like, that is like the buzziest of the buzz, right? That is man, I could hear that in a boardroom in a. Uh... Yeah. Any if, presentation. If, if I had known that, that some of these scheduling uh, terms were going to actually be used, I would have come up with better verbiage. <laughs> like cross pollination. It's, it, it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a flower in my, in, in my backyard. So, yes. um, but, but from a metric standpoint, what, what, it, what it really means is that the results based metrics are going to be even more critical than they, than they might be in a, in a, in a given year mm -hmm. and more in depth, the, the, the team quality metrics, more the predictive metrics as a base of those results-based metrics is also going to be more, more important. Um, it, and, and so there, there's going to be some, some wide ranges of, of rankings where the idea that, that you'd have a team that'd be like in the thirties and forties, just kind of across the board, like you could have somebody that's 20 and one and 70 and another. Right. And I think that we're going to see that a little bit more, more frequently. Um, it's going to be more challenging for, everybody to build non-league schedules that they would normally want to build outside of outside of COVID, whether it's based on their own state's guidelines, whether it's based on um, just needing to stay within a geographic footprint, whether it's based on an MTE that they thought that they were in that just got torn apart by mm -hmm. no fault of anybody. Um, 
that what, what that's going to do is the strength of record type type metrics are going to be able to more adequately compare, hey, how does this 22 and five team compare to this other team that is uh, that is 17 and 10 or 16 and 11? Um, we've got metrics that can do that as long as we've got a good base behind the quality of teams that are that, that are being played. So um, it's way it's way in the weeds, but right. there, there's going to need to be a little bit more art um, than than uh, than science uh, compared to typical years to to kind of try and make that happen um, a, as we go. But uh, but in the same sense, I think that it's going to be difficult for anybody in any direction to kind of make history. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, like. Like first time this conference ever got three bids in or first time sure. this conference was ever a one bid league, like, like first time type things on selection Sunday are probably, uh, are probably going to be, uh, less likely. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, and, and I believe, and Dan Gavitt, um, I think in a story d- done by Dana O'Neill um, last month, you know, I, I think uh, Dan told her that and the the net might be obsolete this year, and it's going to, you know, in terms of the selection committee, it'll be more kind of you know old school, right, mid mid nineties, where you just kind of picked what you thought were the best 64 then 64 now 68 teams is where how do you kind of how would you parse that so 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 think of it this way that that to take four non-conference games off the board um per team on average you're taking about a third of the non-conference inventory across the country and just wiping it and and just wiping it completely sure Um, so so what that does is it puts a greater premium on the on the non-conference games that you actually play It, it it minimizes your margin of error and, and so I, I don't think that we really know what it's going to, to look like. I think that we're going to know in real time that, gosh, this doesn't make sense or this does make sense. I, I think that we're going to kind of be able to figure it out. Um, but I think that, that maybe of greater concern um, in terms of rather than lack of non-conference is going to be um, the, the team that, that, uh, that, that ends up getting three weeks of games canceled, four weeks of games canceled, and ends up playing – 17 or 18 games mm-hmm. compared to somebody that plays 27 games. Like, I don't, I don't know that there's any precedent to, to base on how do you compare a 12 and five team <laughs> to a 17 and 10 team. Yeah. Like that, like those start to become some real outlier cases. And, and look, like, I think that we all hope that, 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 that doesn't happen, but, uh, but it's realistic that it, that, right. that it, that it will. Um, I, I think that, that also that this year is more about getting in the tournament than worrying about the seed that you're, that you're mm-hmm. in the tournament. Um, the margin of error in seeding is going to be greater because the, the data is just not going to be quite as accurate to properly seed the tournament. Sure. So, so what I think is going to happen as a result um, is I think that you're more likely to see, to see weirder upsets um, in, in some of those, uh, some of those uh, early games. Um, the, the idea that you'd have a five, six, seven, and eight in the sweet 16 in a bracket. Like, I think that those chances increase. Now it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it'll happen. Um, just because I said that you'll probably have like 15 of the top 16 seeds all right. in the, all in the sweet, uh, sweet 16, like we did a couple of years ago. Um, but like that, 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 that's more, more the effect. And, and so it, it's about getting into the tournament. Don't leave yourself vulnerable right on that edge because those last couple spots are going to be really difficult to differentiate who should be in and who shouldn't be the, the good news is that in these trying times there's no chance that college basketball media twitter will even complain about uh whatever bracket is produced no 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 no. <laughs> media never complains about anything i don't i 
I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> in terms of building that schedule um, with the postseason in mind, right? So let's take Michigan State for example. You're in a tough spot where, okay, Big Ten is stacked this year, right? And when trying to come up with some version of a non-conference schedule, it's, okay, Duke in the champions. There's going to be some kind of ACC Big Ten challenge. I believe that's still very much on the table and within the plans. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and, you know, a, a, a game with with Oakland. And then you have the idea of an M, MTE, you know, right, in, in Orlando. Or, you know, you could do something on campus like these other places because do you really want to play – if you play how many ever it would be, let's say seven non-conference games, do you need to play six top 25 teams in those? So what's what's the balance there when when you are looking at what's best for, you know, your your institution? So so with within within the Big 10 you're getting you're getting 20 strong games. Right. So almost regardless what happens in the non-conference, if you do well in the Big 10, you're you're well positioned. Um, 14 and six in the big tens getting you in almost no matter what 13 and seven, 12 and eight, yeah. 15, and five, like w- within reason, unless you, unless you're Oh, and seven in the non-conference, like you're, you're, you're well positioned there. Um, so, so from that standpoint, again, like, I, I don't think that you can, can worry too much about, gosh, we, we, we need to try and get to that top four seed line. Well, I'm not sure what the difference between a four and a six seed really is in, yeah. in, in this environment. So, so to me, the, 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 the first focal points, um, have been to, to, how, how do we, how do we give ourselves the best chance to play games? Um, how, how do we set ourselves up from a, from a health and safety standpoint, um, within the confines of existing agreements to the extent that that is, that that is possible? Um, and how, how do we maximize our, our chances to play? Mm-hmm. Um, let's not put ourselves in a position where, where we're really nervous about, uh, Going on a going to a certain place or playing playing a road game against somebody that that we're uncertain about testing protocols. Right. And for those that are that are coming in, we're still working out details as to as to what this needs to look like. Um. But but we need to ensure that uh, that that before we play and play any non conference opponent, um. That, uh, that 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 we're sure that they're that they're testing negative. Otherwise, like we're not playing the game. Um, we, we need to prioritize that. So, so it, it, it's a different lens to, to look through in scheduling. Um, they're, they're also admittedly like, um, the, the finances on, on this are very different than, than a normal year. You've got, uh, you've got guarantee money that, uh, that look is normally in the 80, 90, $100,000 range, um, where, where a, a school might, might buy a team to, to come in and, and play at a certain, certain venue, um, that that market right now has has plummeted um, mm. because um, the revenue coming in for for home games is is not through gate. Um, there's there's television um, revenue that, uh, that that comes in as part of a more holistic contract, but but fans um, at minimum there will not be as many fans as normal. Um, so I don't want to put a number on that because that's mm. obviously ever changing. Um, but I think that we can say with with some level of certainty that. That whenever the first game is at the Breslin Center, I'm not sure that we're going to see 14,797 people there. Um, so, so we're we're trying to manage all those things simultaneously: financial, competitive, maxing the chances that we have to to play the game, um, and while while trying to to kind of build a resume as a secondary criteria, and that's normally the primary criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other part that I would throw in there um, is that that I think that you've got to um, you, you've got to ensure you're over 500 over, overall. Um, right. the, re- the reduction in non-conference. Um, let 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 let's be real about it. I mean, I I um, I, I know that there that there are some folks that think that you should have to be over 500 in your conference to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Um, I'll be blunt that I think that they're that they're very very wrong mm-hmm. um, to segment out 18 or 20 conference games and say you have to be over 500 in this group of games. Like why? Why don't we just segment? Uh, hey, well, you have to be over five hundred in all your games on Saturdays, right. or five hundred in all your games that are um, that are against teams that have a, that have multiple vowels in their school name. Like, <laughs> like we could come up with all sorts of criteria. And the idea that that conference win loss, um, 
I, I'm look like it, it, it doesn't happen very often when you're nine and 11 or eight and 10 in conference. Um, but it is never happened with an at large team that has been less than two games over 500. It's never happened. Right. Um, this is a different world. Um, but gosh, I'd feel a heck of a lot better going into a conference tournament at 15 and 12 than I would at 13, 14 or 14, mm-hmm. 13. And you know, there's been a lot of talk, um, for, continuity and testing and that teams are unlikely to play against teams that don't like forget just testing negative but even do a step further testing at the scale that that you're able to Michigan State obviously has assets that central eastern western right don't have where you can test every day every other day whatever like you know you if you have those means to be able to do so so is you know, how big of that is an issue of teams being able, trying to find games against just teams that are operating at the same standard and how, like, not traceable, but, you know, how much of it is is provable, really? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so one of the keys here has to do with contact tracing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and frankly, the, the best chance that school, the, the two best chances that schools have um, in order to avoid contact tracing issues are daily testing mm. um, or they're, they're needing to ensure that, that it's a clean court before you actually play the game or a clean field in football or wh- wh- whatever. Sure. Those are your two mechanisms to avoid uh, contact tracing issues. And different states, even just within the Big Ten footprint, there's, there's different states with, with, with different uh, – state mandates and, and uh, states of emergency and, and, and whatever, it, whatever it comes to be. Um, so, so it's a moving target. Let, let's also be real. We're, we're taping this in, in early October. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like do people go back in November and December and listen, listen to, to, to you. I mean, and I, I know that, uh, I know that people probably just binge listen to Brendan Quinn. Oh, of course. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be presumptive. I'm, they need their act. They need their fix of this accent, man. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've taken my bike on some pretty long bike rides, and and, and wish that, uh, wish that I wasn't playing you in one, one and a half speed when I, when I have twenty minutes left to, yeah. before, before I make it back home. Um, but, but the, but, but the other part, and my point, saying that that it's early October, is that we've still got about seven weeks before the basketball season starts. Like seven weeks ago, early August. Like think of where we were in early August versus today. Like. Yeah. It, it is a moving target, and, and and I know that 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 is frustrating to to a lot of people. All of this is frustrating to everybody for their own reasons, in and out of sports. Um, but but we don't want to box ourselves in because we want to just collectively as an industry maintain as much flexibility and maintain as much control as we can. And so yes, it's it's early October, and there is not a Big Ten basketball schedule out. Right. And, you know, and I'll be blunt. It's not coming out today, and it's not coming out tomorrow either. Um, but but why why put out a schedule now when when frankly the schedule that that uh, you would put out a month from now when you've got more information may improve your chances of playing. And so we yeah. need to, we we need to maximize um, our flexibility and spend our time wisely so that we don't put ourselves in a position where um, where we've got a schedule out and then. And then find out that hey, this state is changing this, or this state is changing that, or or testing looks like this. Like, I mean, even the the scientific advances in, in, in testing over the last couple months have been um, have been really uh, really large. Yeah. So here's a question that might just show how dumb I am, right? Um, typical. Is this a plausible scenario at all? That you know, with the concerns over you know, putting teams on planes and going this place, that place, this place, that place. Is there any scenario where when it comes to league play that you could put six teams in one place and knock out three games in three days and have, you know, everything's tested and you're you're not moving around and you're you're getting games in, right? The end at the end of the day, the number one goal is get games in and get to an NCAA tournament and then get to 21, 22 and act like this never freaking happened. So is that is that in any way possible? Um I think that anything is possible. Mm-hmm. And, and and so so yes. I, I I'm not sure that that's going to be plan A to start. Okay. Um, but but that gets back to um 
look, if, if, if we've hit the second week of January and let's say that, that things have just gone completely sideways and, yeah. and we've only played like collectively across the league, like there's only been like one or two games played per team. Mm-hmm. Like the, the idea of, uh, and, and I don't, I don't want to box myself in. By sure. Saying, sure. Um, but, but the idea of throwing out a schedule and, and, and rebuilding it or, or gosh, you got, you, you, you've got a team that, uh, that is in Ann Arbor on a, on a Thursday. And Oh, by the way, they're going to, they're just going to stop off in East Lansing and play a game that wasn't even originally on the schedule on Friday, just because, um, just, just because, yeah. Or, or you get two big 10 games that are, that are canceled on a weekend. And and I'll I'll get this example slightly wrong, but um, but in Major League Baseball, when when the Marlins had their issues early in the season, mm-hmm. they were, they had been playing the Phillies, and it just so happened that the Marlins and Phillies were supposed to play the Yankees and the Orioles um, the the following Monday through Thursday, and because of how they structured the the, the schedule, um, the following week it was a reverse matchup, wh- wh- whatever it was. So the Marlins and Phillies couldn't play, which canceled the Marlins, Yankees, and the Phillies Orioles or whatever it was. So the Yankees Orioles took their games from the following week, and on a day's notice, they moved them up. Yeah. And they played during that week. So then the Marlins – so then you only had two teams that were affected by, by needing to reschedule games. Like those, those decisions are going to need to be made in real time um, if we get to that point. So um, I'll, I'll say this, that, that I think that we're going to do everything that we can – to as long as we can do so um, with health and safety in mind, mm-hmm. we want to maximize the number of games played for all sorts of reasons. Um, and and if that means playing on consecutive days, like that that would be like like ask a co- like co- coaches um, get up in arms over a one day prep, let alone a zero. <laughs> like you you want to see some head spinning. Walk, walk, walk into a coach's office and say, "Hey, you, 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 you want to play Wisconsin tomorrow?" Yeah, yeah. And be completely serious about it. I mean, the, er, earlier um, when when I gave the example that, hey, it's it's Thursday. We had a game canceled. The the idea that that I would pick up the phone and call Western Michigan mm-hmm. in the non conference and say, "Hey, you want to play tomorrow?" Yeah, like like there's a little bit of old school like pick up basketball to this. I like this idea of these roving bands of teams just clashing anywhere on the interstate and just throwing a ball. <laughs> it sounds crazy, um, but but I can assure you that over the last six months there have been way crazier ideas than that, <laughs> and 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 ideas that uh, early on this summer um, when I would be speaking with with groups, whether it was coaches or whoever. Nor- normally, I would I would preface um, something with with, Hey, like this is a pretty outside the box idea or, or some idea would be so crazy that I'd be like, like, I'm not even saying that out loud, right, right. but now I'll just preface, Hey, like in, in a non COVID environment, I'd never suggest this, but what do you think of this crazy, mm-hmm. crazy idea? And uh, like, I've actually gotten nods sometimes. It's sure. It's, it's, Hey, we, we've got to try to do whatever we can um, to create as meaningful a season as we can. Um, to keep everybody healthy, to keep everybody safe. Um, I mean, who who knows what February and March look like? We may be in good shape, sure. Um, or the NCAA tournament may need to look slightly different than, uh, than than it currently does. Are you still anticipating a twenty game Big Ten schedule? Um, I, I think that uh, that that all things are still on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, like there there's there's Plan A. I mean, I I think that conferences are starting to to kind of come out with with their plans. Yeah. Um, some, some, some conferences are um, like a, a 10 team conference, a double round Robin is 18 games an 11 team conference. A double round Robin is 20 games. I think that that in general is the range in which most conferences are still kind of staying within mm-hmm. um, that, that 18 to 20 range. Um, so until everything's for, for certain, I'm not, I, I don't know that I want to uh, again, box, box anything. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but I think that that's at least the, the, the direction for now. Um, but, uh, but until there's an actual conference schedule, um, that, uh, that even is set as a starting point here, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, um, I, I'd, I'd again say that, uh, that, that flexibility and, uh, um, and everything's on the table. Yeah. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events. We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. So I can't let you get out of here. I'm sure we have Michigan State fans, right, listening who are hoping for some Michigan State info. Um, is there anything that, that you can share in terms of updating um, where the non-com or, or what your guys are thinking in terms of what's you know, plausible in your best interest, blah, blah, blah. Um, that is as of 4.15 p.m. on Thursday, October 8th, that, that you can share with us. So so you're, you're implying that, that if you tell people that I'm on your podcast, that people would actually care to listen? Like, 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 I think it'll just be by happenstance personally, but <laughs> leave it to, hey, some, some guy talking about Michigan State to, um, <laughs> it, it is on there. Don't, don't say who. And then, and then by this time of the podcast, we can let everybody know that the, the, they just figured it out. Yeah, that, that I'm not that I'm not Izzo and, uh, and not giving information that's nearly as cool as uh, as as Izzo or somebody else would. Been, been far less swearing than an Izzo podcast probably would have entailed. But swear on a podcast? I, <laughs> oh, absolutely. What's encouraged here? I was trying to keep the explicit rating off of your podcast to increase listenership. Right, but you are a uh, you know you're an associate. Maybe if you were an assistant AD. You, you could throw some something out there like that, but as an associate AD, sir, I don't think that's a good idea. Hey, just, just remember, assistant and associate both start the same way. <laughs> well played, well played. So, so I'll, I'll tell you this: that um, that that truthfully, um, our our non-conference schedule at Michigan State is still very much a moving target. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we haven't released much of anything because because frankly, at different moments over the last three four weeks. There have been some things that I thought were pretty stable that uh, that have evolved and changed. Um, so we need to we need to keep that flexibility. So I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not not answering you because, sure. because we're trying to, to to be secretive as much as um, we're trying to to make sure that uh, that we don't put any information out there that becomes becomes false tomorrow and then back mm-hmm. on the, the next day and, and, and because some things have been volleying back and forth. So um, to to your point, look like. I think that that uh, that we all know that Champions Classic is a is a priority. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we'll we'll be able to confirm some details on that uh, that soon in terms of location and date. Um, but even that, we're we're trying to to finalize that um, Big Ten ACC Challenge kind of kind of the same thing. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's trending the right way, um, but uh, and, until we actually get to a point where um, where we've got that, or even we know who we're playing. Um, I, I think that it's probably premature to, to say that anything is is for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I will I will say this that um, because there were we 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 actually did not finish our schedule this summer. Um, normally, what we would do in a in a summer is that we kind of keep about one game in our back pocket um, for all sorts of reasons that, that that may come up. There was there was one instance several years ago where um, where that game in our back pocket became Michigan State Georgetown the day before the Super Bowl at. Mm-hmm. at Square Garden in, in January. That game happened in like June or July, um, and that's what we used kind of the back pocket game for. Um, so we we like to have those um, just because you you don't know what what comes up. Um, this this year we actually had three games that we didn't uh, we didn't end up filling. Um, mm-hmm. We were we were talking back in April, but as the summer progressed, 
um, and it became pretty clear that we didn't know what we didn't know, um, we just kind of we just kind of held off. So we were not in a position where we were going to need to to cancel a whole bunch of games, and we had a smaller sample with which to work from um, when the D1 Council voted to adjust the the start date of the season. So um, I, I I think that we've tried to keep in contact with people as best as we can for those games that that uh, that maybe we were looking to for this year. Um, we've, uh, we've talked to several about pushing it to a future year. Like we're, we're trying to do right by people, right. but, uh, but even today I was talking to another, another school in a game that, that I thought was, was long dead, not involving Michigan state. Like they're like, Oh yeah, that, that, that's back on. I'm like two weeks ago, like you guys were, weren't even talking like that thing was, was gone and off the table and was being mm. pushed back a year. And they're like, Nope, Nope. We're back. Uh, we, we, we might have a date. And, that, and that's how fluid it, it is. I, I think that the other part of it, too, is that um, we, need to, we need to get through this year a little bit. Yeah. We kind of take inventory of what happened and what didn't happen and how do we reconcile some of the things that, that weren't able to happen along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a game that, that we're planning to play and it doesn't get played because of COVID and then we can't reschedule it, like, we would probably take the same mentality to try and, and, to try and do right by that game in, in, in a future year. So – um, truthfully, I'm not sure what the non-conference schedule is going to look like. Um, I think that, uh, that there's still some, some work to be done there. Yeah. Um, kind of like the conference schedule. I don't think it's getting released, uh, tomorrow or, or uh, the next day. Either. So for, cause this is a situation that so many programs are looking at. So for you guys, for, for kind of the layman out there listening, like when it comes to an event like Orlando, right, the, the MTE down there that you currently have, you know, your name in for, um, like what boxes do you kind of need to check for that to be something that you're like, all right, we're all in. This is, this makes sense. Yeah. So, so, so the thing in general about the MTEs, so I, I already gave you the stat um, regarding 16 out of the 24 MTEs mm-hmm. were supposed to start before November 25th. Right. Um, you didn't think you were going to get MTE stats all day. <laughs> we need some graphs. That I wanted to be giving them either. <laughs> uh, but out of out of twenty four out of the twenty four bracketed events, there's at least twenty one of them that some portion of their field has changed since September sixteenth. Whether mm-hmm. that's whether that's teams canceling out, whether that's teams getting added, whether it's teams uh, whether it's the entire event being canceled. There's several of them that are actually outside the country um, that, uh, that that come into play. It gets moved. Like there, there's there's right. all sorts of things going on. But 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 just think about that. Like nearly all of the preseason tournaments have had their fields affected in some shape or form mm-hmm. and that. And that has been a big, um, it's been, it's been a big moving target for everybody, mm-hmm. um, for the schools, for the coaches, for the administrators, for the event promoters. I mean, there, there's a good number of people that put on some really, really good events o- over the course of the, the early part of college basketball. And they're in a tough spot too. Um, and, and some of it's not by by control of the schools. Some of it, some of it is, um, but but that that really illustrates kind of kind of the challenges of of where some of those some of those MTEs are. So mm-hmm. um, so I, I don't know that there's a that there's a one size fits all answer because each MTE is in a different uh, it, it's in a different position. What were you supposed to start before November 25th? Do you have schools that that uh, that that when they come down to to wherever they're supposed to go, because most of these MTEs are in warm weather. Yeah. Um, when, they, when they return home, do they have a 14-day quarantine? Right. Like that. Like that's a that's a pretty big big issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's kind of got their own story. The stories don't don't align. Um, and 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 when you're trying to get four or eight teams to have all their stories align, like it just the 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 math and probability on that is is, is really low. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's a, a perfect answer to that beyond that, uh, that individual schools, conferences, and event promoters are trying to work through it on a one-on-one basis. Excellent. All right. Well, this was good. Highly educational, as always. Uh, it's certainly helpful for you know someone who hypothetically might have only been paying attention to golf for the last few months and has no idea what the hell is going on other than uh, floating reports of this and that on, on Twitter. So this was, this was great, Go. No, it's uh, it, it, it's good to be with you. Maybe uh, maybe we can do this again when uh, when everything in the scheduling world changes again. So that uh, that'll probably be uh, tomorrow next week. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, we do appreciate you you coming on. Uh, you are how long have you lived in? How long have you been in Lansing? 
So I, I came as a student in the fall of 2000 mm-hmm. okay. and been a, um, student manager for, for four years. Yeah. Um, and then uh, video coordinator was at the big 10 conference for a year. So it was back, uh, back home in the suburban Chicago for, for a year before coming right. back as director of ops. And then, and then assistant AD associate, AD, whatever that, whatever the heck it is that I, that, that I do now. So, um, so on, on and off, I've, uh, I've been here since fall of 2000 now. So I'm, 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 I'm getting old. So on this podcast, we are all about supporting our local restaurants and yep. our, uh, local restaurant employees. Do you have, uh, any, any place that you would recommend your friends in East Lansing and Lansing, uh, are sure to get some takeout from and take care of their bartenders and servers? Yeah. So, um, I, 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 I've tried to, to get over to Crunchy's in, mm-hmm. in Lansing. Um, and, and, and the peanut barrel, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big burger guy. So, uh, um, no, nothing like a, a, a cheeseburger plain. Um, and, and, and I'll let you in on, on something little anecdotal. Um, I, when, when I order my plain cheeseburgers, I order it, to, uh, plain cheeseburger, just cheeseburger and bun. And I usually get this odd look, like you're asking for a bun because twice in my life I've asked for a plain cheeseburger and had a burger and cheese with no bun come back on a plate. And me being the ridiculously OCD <laughs> detailed person that I am, literally specify every detail of the, of the damn burger before, before I order. So The fact that you just get a cheeseburger with cheese, a burger, and a bun is, couldn't be more befitting of, uh, I'd just say your general disposition, KP. <laughs> I try. I try. This is this is usually the part where 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 you tell people not to forget to tip their bartenders and servers. You're right? damn right, and you just delivered it better than I could. So we're gonna leave it on that. Uh, listen to KP, and uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, Quinn.